Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, uh, uh, September 22nd, or September 24th, 2022, uh, and we are broadcasting live from Chicago on the northwest side of the city. My name is David Canfield, and I'll be the host for this hour. And you can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you'd like to send us a note with questions or comments about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can do that at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And to uh, uh, listen to previous editions of this podcast, you can also on the website just click on the media link, and under there, there's the podcast tab. Uh, And so in the second segment today, we're going to talk a little more about uh, reigning with Christ during the millennium. Uh, and what's involved in that. And we're going to be, to do that, we're going to be specifically talking about the parable of the minas in Luke 19, for the most part. And we're also going to uh, discuss in general this matter of overcoming in the New Testament. What does that mean? Uh, in, in Revelation, especially, you see the, the Lord's promises given to the overcomers. So what does it mean to be an overcomer? So we want to consider that. But that'll be in the second segment. In the first segment, we have a special guest this morning. Uh, this is a brother who I, I've known for 20 years or so, uh, Chris Miller and his family. And uh, uh, he is down in central Illinois. They're, they're farmers, just a wonderful family. And uh, every year uh, for the past, uh, well, all that time, 20 years and more, uh, Chris has hosted a father-son camp uh, at the end of October. And it's coming up uh, this year, it's the weekend of October 22nd. And so we wanted to let our listeners know about that. It's a wonderful time for fathers and sons to uh, spend time together, uh, camping out uh, with um, a number of great activities. And uh, there's some Christian ministry there, some fellowship uh, gatherings. And so we just wanted to let, as I say, our, our listeners know about that. And so with that, I'm going to bring Brother Chris Miller on the line now. And let's make sure we have him on the line. Chris, are you there? I'm here, Dave. Thank what? you very much. Thank you for having me on your program. Today. Oh, oh, great! No, so glad you could be with us. You sound good too, by the way. Uh, so, so, so that's great, guys. I know you have a, a lot going on. Uh, uh, just to, to let the listeners know, Chris is a, a state representative in addition to being a farmer, and uh, his wife Mary is uh, a U.S. congressman, a congresswoman, I guess say, I have to say, from uh, from uh, Central Illinois. So. And Chris, I have the impression Mary's there with you, right? Are you, you guys are driving to an event, you said? You're, Actually, you're, no, she okay. is not with me. Okay, I'm all right. an event. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, you just have an event. Okay, going by yourself. Okay, we just, of course, we touched base just before the program, so I wasn't sure. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I like I said, I've known you guys and your family for, for 20 years. It's kind of an interesting story how I... I ran into the fellowship down there that you guys were a part of. It was right around 2000, 2002. We don't, don't really have time to tell that story probably, but uh, but I would visit there from time to time, and, of course, that's how I got to know you guys. Um, uh, Chris, as I mentioned, you're um, of course, you're a farmer down there. You're uh, farming a, a pretty big farm. And that, has that been in your family for a little while? Uh, of course, I know your, your dad farmed that right, property, right? Yeah, I'm I'm a third generation farmer, and we grow uh, corn and soybeans and wheat, and we huh. run about a hundred pairs of Angus cattle. Wow, Chris! Wow, and it, that's a lot of work. I mean, I of course, I, one of the neat things about getting to know you guys was to be able to visit the farm. And like I was saying yesterday, uh, Chris, when we talked, uh, I it was you know I grew up in suburban Chicago, Arlington Heights, and. Uh, 
you grow up that way and you just assume food comes from grocery stores and you don't realize, no, there's a few different steps that have to happen before the food actually gets to the grocery store. And I never realized that till I got out on your farm and, and was on the combine with you. That's quite an experience. And uh, uh, so I, I've always appreciated that. I, I, you know, Chris, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I was thinking yesterday about uh, the time we visited you guys. Uh, we, we brought some of the students we knew from U of I down for a campfire there. And, well, other, during the day, you had a, a number of us out on your combine during the harvest time. And uh, we uh, you, we had a campfire in the evening, and uh, I think one of your one of the brothers there gave us his testimony about being saved. And uh, uh, I, I was just laughing because at the campfire, one of these little bo- one of the little boys there, uh, he he told me he, he just couldn't figure out what it's like to live in the city, and he's, he he took me aside kind of, and uh, he blurted all all at once, "Have you ever killed a deer?" <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it was Ben, uh, little Ben was his. I, I won't yeah. say the last name, but he, and uh, yeah, so he, he just couldn't figure out. And I had to tell. I, I can't say as I have, and uh, mm. and he said, "Well, you should. It's fun anyway. It's, it's a totally different way of growing up, but it's a really neat experience anyway." So I, I always appreciated yeah. that. Um, but Chris, mainly just want to talk with you about the about the father son camp, and which is, and again, I've been very blessed to to be there a few times for that, especially early on. Um, so can, can you tell the listeners about that? First of all, I guess, how did, how did it get started? How did the father come, how did it come to be that you started to have this gathering for, for men and boys? Well, I mean, it was one of those, uh, things that God just opened the door over time because when we all started, there was no, there was really no plan for it to be what it is today. But I know that my son has a fall birthday and when, and he's got four older sisters and so, (laughs) And he had, he had, uh, I asked him what he has a fall birthday. I asked him what he wanted to do. And he said he wanted to go camping with no girls allowed. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, like I say, that, so there was a couple other, uh, other of my friends that had sons the same age of so the, the three dads and the three sons. We went camping for the weekend and, uh, the look on the, on the boy's face when they woke up the next morning, they, we knew there was something special about that. So we, began to get together annually to do that and you know and that was sometime that was in like the late 90s or early 2000s and it was about so yeah. you started out yeah. with how many how many guys now and I should I should add I'm talking about your family quite you guys have seven kids all together and how many yeah. grandkids you're 19 we have so we have uh, five girls and two boys and we we just had our 19th grand yeah right okay so i can see where you, you yeah some you might want to get away for a weekend so okay yeah great okay so sorry oh well, i know that all all three of us guys that did this we didn't get saved uh, to know jesus until later in, mm. until we were in our 30s and mm. so growing up in the 60s and 70s you could imagine what that looked like yeah right we, didn't want to we we didn't want our sons to have to go through that process and so we wanted to introduce wow. them to Jesus Christ at an early yeah. age and so they could grow up knowing yeah. the, the truth of the gospel and and uh, how walking with the Lord is the best way to live your life really so 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 that's really is that would you say that's the mission of the camp if uh, if you had to in a nutshell if you had to say what was the well, mission mm-hmm. In a nutshell, I would say that our that our vision for the camp is to combine inspiring ministry and outdoor adventure has always been the kind mm. of the template for how we've tried to function okay. and provide our young sons something to aspire to. Yeah. 
and I know, and I, I think just basically help to help teach a young boy what it is to be a, a man, right? Which in these days right. is something is really right. needed. There, yeah. there really isn't a, yeah. a whole lot of example of authentic yeah. Christian masculine manhood, yeah. and so that was another yeah. thing that we wanted to to template and to communicate to the. We wanted to cast the vision, you know. It talks in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, mm. and so. So we wanted to create and cast a vision for what authentic Christian manhood looked like. Very good, yeah. Okay, so, and so you have some ministry along that line uh, every time you get together, and uh, yep. um, and uh, so in, in a minute I, I want to ask you about so what the activities are, but to, just to continue with, because I was there, I I don't remember the year. It was in the early 2000, 2001, 2002. I just remember it was pretty early on, and I think there were about. At that time, we had you had about forty guys. We were under a tent that that one year, just pouring rain, sitting on hay bales, and uh, brother was sharing uh, uh, again, yeah, along these lines. And uh, so that was in the early two thousands, and uh, uh, it, it continued to grow. And I think it, at first you had it on your property, and then you moved to Walnut State Park, right, which is a beautiful state park in Central Illinois. A lot of people don't know about. But it's just Walnut. It's called Walnut Point State Park. But just a beautiful park. Uh, I've been there, and I should add because this is in the fall. A lot of times you get the beautiful fall colors down there. It's just a, a wonderful time mm-hmm. to be down there. So, um, and you, you, so you moved to Walnut Point. Would that have been around two thousand four, something like that? And uh, uh, probably. But yeah. I know we went from uh, when you were there the first time. We had about a. Uh, 20 by 20 tent with sitting on hay bales, and then we progressed to about a a 60 by 120 tent that would seat five to six hundred people, and uh, so that was so it's it's evolved into a pretty big event where five or six hundred people just have been showing up for the last several years. And this, yeah, this is that's what that's what it's been for a number of years is right in that 500 range from that little beginning. You know, twenty right. some years ago, and so, and it's just a neat time to be down there with, with so many guys and so many uh, Christian men and uh, and and their boys gathering together and uh, in the outdoors like that. Uh, of course, you stay a, a lot of guys uh, camp in tents, right? And uh, yeah, you can be there's campers. I'm sorry, go ahead. All, all of the above. Some okay. some are in tents, some's in campers, some stay at some of the local hotels. It's just a matter of whatever anybody's comfortable with. That's what yeah. they do yeah. and. I I remember I remember I was there one year I camped in a tent and then Kyle was uh, kind enough to set it up for me you know, I don't know anything about that and he did a good job because that was the year he had just about that hurricane come down and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. fortunately yeah. we all survived but that was well that's what you expect you know not not expect but which you have to be prepared for so that was quite an experience yeah. to be be out in yeah. the middle of that and uh, some, some, you hear some coyotes out there which I'm sure you have no shortage of anyway so. Uh, so that very just a neat uh, chance to experience the outdoors, and so so what are some of the activities that uh, the men and 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 their their boys can uh, uh, participate in? And I should I should add too, well, I, I I went down there a couple times with my nephew who really enjoyed it, and uh, so that might be another option for some some guys. Uh, well, one of the things that we've had to do is we've had to since we have so many campers, we've had to create a a structure and a schedule to try to to try to be organized so it's just not you know people running yeah, around yeah, so right. normally what a day looks like at 9 a.m we gather for a time of worship and uh and and preaching and and things like that and then we'll have 
Well, one of the brothers has a, always fixes lunch, for, so that's available for the campers. Mm. And then during the during the afternoon hours, you know, most of the time from one to three, we'll have a lot of different activities. Over the years, we've had a, we have a fairly large river by us, and we have canoe trips and tomahawk throwing and a zip line and a obstacle course and rifle range, archery range, and different shooting activities. You teach you, there's a gun safety course you take before you go shooting, I think, right? Right. And we have, in any of the shooting activities, we have one-on-one uh, coaching to okay. make sure we don't have any any right. accidents. I, I've always enjoyed the, uh, the canoeing has been a really good thing I've enjoyed. Yeah. So. But keeping everybody safe is a high priority. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just it's just a great time. And now, now um, to register, what's the website, Chris? It's uh, fathersoncamp.org. Fathersoncamp.org. Dot org. You can click on the links and go through, and okay, and it'll it'll walk you through the process. Now, um, and I should add, it's it's actually it's a three day camp, right? So some guys come down Thursday afternoon, right? Correct. And then yeah, it goes start on. We start on Thursday evening and end after Sunday worship. Okay. On Sunday morning. Okay. And, and some guys uh, come for part of the time, people, some guys come for all the time. So. Yeah. Some people come part of the time, some come for everything. Some, yeah. like I say, some camp, some drive back and forth. It just depends on yeah. whatever you want to do. We live in America and we're still free. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the Lord for that, Chris. Thank the Lord. Um, yeah. and, and what's the cost? What's the cost? Is there... We function on donations, and we don't make a big deal about it. If okay. you can help out and donate and do it, if you can't, then come, and it won't cost you anything. And and so there's always been enough to pay the bills. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, the Lord is faithful. Praise the Lord, Chris. Um, well, I, I, I guess I've been there a few times. Uh, the last time was a few years ago. I'm, I'm hoping to get down there this year, as the Lord allows. I'd love to, love to, love to see you guys again down there. And But it's just a wonderful experience if you can get there with your— uh, with your son uh, or nephew, however it may be, and uh, just a great time to, to spend time together and learn a little bit about the great outdoors, too. So I really, um, uh, you know, we, we need to pray for this time. I'm so glad you're doing this, Chris. I always appreciate it. And uh, so I, I don't know if you have any, uh, I know, Chris, you're, you have a lot going on. I'm sure you have something else you have to get to. But do you have any closing words uh, you want to say before uh, about the camp or, or otherwise? So... Well, you know, it's important important for us to encourage ourselves in the Lord and to do uh, the exercise to do the right thing. And and all of it begins with having an idea in your mind of what that looks like. And this is a great opportunity to have a a paradigm casting uh, vision for your future as an authentic Christian man. And, uh, you know, I think that it's important for us to take advantage of the opportunities we have to learn and grow. I know I always believe that we need to be lifelong learners, and there's always something else to learn and something else to know. So you take advantage of the opportunity and come down if it works in your schedule. Yeah, that's great. Okay, great, Chris. Well, I hope uh, uh, a lot of people listening to this will consider that. It might might be out of our comfort zone, frankly. You know, I'm up here in uh, in <laughs> Chicago, to be honest. It was out of, my, but out of my comfort zone, that's for sure. But I've always enjoyed it. It's always been such a sweet time and uh, a very encouraging time when I've been able to get down there. So, again, I really appreciate you doing that, Chris. And we'll, we'll pray for this gathering that it will be a, a really blessed time this year and uh, the good weather as the Lord ordains. And, uh, I hope, like I say, I hope to get down there and see you guys. But, uh 
In the meantime, thanks so much, Chris, for coming on and telling us a little, little bit about Father Son Camp. And again, the website is fathersoncamp.org, right? And, yes, sir. Okay, and that's it's. I should say it's in uh, that's how, if you don't know that's uh, Oakland, Illinois, is a little south of Champaign, just to give you a general idea right. of where where it is. So, uh, yeah, I just encourage the the listeners to go there and take a look, and uh, as the Lord leads, sign up and and come down for that time. Chris, it's good to talk to you again. Right. Yeah, good to connect. You too. Okay. You well, too. Thanks, Dave. Okay, thank you. Hope to talk to you soon. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Yeah, as I said, I've been to the father-son camp. It's been a few years. Um, I, I went uh, uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, I went down with some some of the brothers uh, I was meeting with and their and their boys. And uh, uh, I've been with my nephew a couple times. Uh, and it's a real if you have a chance to go, it's, I really encourage you to uh, to look at that uh, fathersoncamp.org, the website, and see if you think that might be a good chance for you to uh, spend some time with your boys, and because that's surely needed in these days. There's so many negative influences in our society and corrupt influences, and this is a very, very healthy one if you, if you have a chance to take advantage of it. So I hope you'll consider that. So that's going to do it for this segment. We will be back uh, after the break, and we will begin to talk more about uh, what it means to reign with Christ. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the christianfaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. In the past few uh, episodes of the program. We've been talking about reigning with Christ because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth, we felt was a good reminder to us of the fact that as the believers in Christ, we're destined to reign with him uh, for eternity. But there's another reigning of the believers that we also need to consider. And so there's two different reignings. The eternal destiny of the believers is to reign with Christ. That's in Revelation 22.5. It says, they shall reign forever and ever. But in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, it talks about our reigning with Christ during the millennial age. It says they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So those are two different reignings. The one's for the, during the millennium and the other is during the thousand, uh, during eternity. And the, the qualification for reigning with Christ during the millennium is different from what it is 
during eternity. If we want to reign with Christ during the millennium, we have to be those who overcome. As it talks about in uh, the first part of Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, it talks about those who overcome. It's those overcomers who will be reigning with Christ during the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth as a reward for being faithful to Christ to follow him in this age. Eventually, though, all the believers will reign with Christ uh, in eternity. That, that's guaranteed to us, the eternal reign. But the thousand-year reign is not guaranteed to us. And this is a point we really wanted to stress uh, because so many believers are not aware of this. And today there's so much stress uh, on the uh, the free gift of God's grace. And, and there's no doubt that's a wonderful thing. You know, praise the Lord for the free gift of God's grace. That, that when we believe in Christ, we simply receive uh, him as our Savior. We simply open our heart and we say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. Cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside of me. When you do that, your sins are forgiven and your eternal destiny is secured. And we always like to say on this program, you know, we always like to share the gospel because we don't know who's listening. Uh, if you haven't yet had that experience of being born again, we encourage you to open your heart and just tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive my sins. I trust you as my Savior. You know, there's uh, so many uh, teachings today about trusting other things, a religious system uh, or some, uh, some ceremony we've gone through. You know, I was, I was raised Presbyterian. I went through confirmation, but I did not hear about being born again and having Christ to come and live inside of me until I was 25 years old, long, you know, after I graduated from college. We, I never heard this message that I know of growing up, that I had to have that personal interaction with Christ in order to be saved. Uh, and the brother sat me down on a park bench and, and uh, shared the gospel with me and showed me Romans 8, chapter 9. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. Verse 10 goes on. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And that's when I opened my heart to the Lord and said, Lord, I want you to be my savior. I want you to live inside of me. Because I'd never, I'd never really heard I think maybe one time before that a brother shared with me about being born again. But again, that wasn't until after I was out of college, not when I was growing up. Uh, so many of the denominational churches today are the um, Catholic churches. You're not going to hear this word about how you need to have that personal interaction with Christ. That's the only thing that can save you. Nothing else can save you. Nothing man does can save you. The only one who can save you is Christ himself. And you need to come to Christ and tell him that you want to be saved. No one can do that for you. I can point you in the direction. But you're the one who has to open your own heart and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. And it's a very serious matter because so many people uh, are going to be spending eternity in the lake of fire because they've rejected Christ as their Savior. And we don't want that to happen to you. That's a terrible, terrible thing. God doesn't want that to happen. But it's up to you. You have to say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. And so we encourage you to do that. So that's, that's the side of God's free grace because it is a free gift. You simply say, Lord, come and live inside of me. Forgive my sins. And he freely forgives your sins. You don't have to earn that. You just receive it. But there is another side of the Christian life. And we always have to be clear uh, concerning the Bible and concerning Christian truth that there are always two sides to Christian truth. Uh, and it's just the, the God is... One, and yet God is three. So on the one side, yes, it's right, God is one. But if you only stress that side, then you're not balanced because God is also three. 
But you, some people would stress the three. Their, their teaching becomes basically tritheistic, uh, not Trinitarian. And so that's also unbalanced. You have to stress both sides. It's the same. Jesus is God and Jesus is man. So again, you have to stress stress both sides to have a balanced teaching of the Christian life. And the same is true in regards to salvation. There's a side which is God's free gift. Praise the Lord for that. But there's still another side which is our responsibility. The free gift relates to our eternal destiny. Once we believe in Christ, our eternal destiny is sealed and nothing can ever change that. The balancing, balancing side having to do with our responsibility has to do with the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth and how we're going to be spending that time. Whether we're reigning with Christ during that time or not, whether that time may be a period of discipline for us or at the least where we miss out on reigning with Christ. And so that's the side we want to stress today because there's so much stress today on the side of the free grace and we don't want to diminish that at all because that's so uh, important and so... uh, basic for our Christian life. You have to have a clear view of that side, uh, the free grace, uh, that you cannot lose your salvation because that becomes the basis for us going on with the Lord. Because if we could do anything to lose our salvation, we would. We could never have any security of our relationship concerning our relationship with the Lord. We we um, just wouldn't have the assurance that we can always come to the Father and ask for his forgiveness and and realize I still am a child of God. Regardless of what happens, I'm still a child of God. And the fact that uh, the forgiveness of sins and our relationship with Christ as a child of God is a free gift gives us that strong basis for us to go on in our Christian life. So we have to have that strong basis. But then the other side is I have to exercise uh, myself unto godliness, as the New Testament says, to live a Christian life and produce a profit for the Lord so that when he returns, I will be rewarded by with reigning with Christ for that 1,000-year period. So that's the side of our responsibility. They don't contradict each other, but they balance each other out. And so many people, uh, because they don't see this matter of reward, they misinterpret many of the verses in the New Testament that are talking about the reward of the 1,000 years. And they feel, oh, you can, these verses are showing us you can lose your salvation. Well, the, the verses are not showing you that. They're showing you you may not reign with Christ. You may lose the reward of reigning with Christ. And you may, uh, may suffer that temporary discipline of that 1,000 years. But no, they don't relate to our eternal destiny. But there are verses in the New Testament that make it very clear that uh, we may suffer some discipline from the Lord when the Lord comes back. Second Corinthians 5, chapter 10, a very serious word. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. That's a very serious word. Um, and for anyone who just feels uh, 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 the side of, of free grace is the only side that there is, you have to deal with that verse. We are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So it, it's clear in the New Testament. It, if, you, if you only take that side of the free grace, uh, you're just totally unbalanced in your view of the New Testament uh, and what it's really showing us about the Christian life. And there's many other verses as well. You know, second, uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 gives a lot of verses, a lot, a lot of believers trouble because it says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And does that mean I'm not saved yet? Well, yeah, it does mean that. But it 
that doesn't mean overall you're not saved yet. There is a sense in which, yes, you are already saved because your eternal destiny is sealed. But there's a sense in which you're not saved because the salvation that God wants to work out in you has not yet been fully accomplished. What he wants to do within you, what he wants to do within me, I can assure you, I'm not fully saved yet for sure. How much experience of the cross I need day by day uh, to experience the Lord's death and put to death all the negative things in my being so I can be brought into the experience of resurrection life and eventually conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans eight twenty nine and 30. That's God's ultimate goal for us is to conform us to the image of his Son. And that's the full salvation. So in that sense, we are not yet fully saved yet because we're still to some extent conformed to the world, conformed to who we were before we got saved. These things in us still have to be dealt with. So that's what Philippians 2, 12 and 13 is talking about, salvation in that sense. And there's many verses in the New Testament um, along those lines. So, um, as I said, in this segment, we want to talk a little bit, uh, spend some time talking about overcomers. Uh, what, is, what does it mean to be an overcomer? Because this is a phrase that's used in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 a number of times in the Lord's words to the seven churches. And I'll just read those, the different verses. There's seven different promises. Uh, the first one to the uh, church in Ephesus, he says, he, it says, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. That's Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, in chapter 2, 11, to the church in Smyrna, he says, uh, He who overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, this is not promises that are given to all the believers. It's not to he who has believed these things are going to be given. It's to him who overcomes. So we need to be those who overcome if we want to partake of these promises. Okay, that's uh, to the church in Smyrna. Um, to the church in Perg uh, Pergamus in uh, Revelation 2.17, he says, um, To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. In uh, Revelation 2.26 uh, and 27, He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that promise, it's Revelation 2, uh, 26 through 28. In uh, Revelation 3, to the church in uh, Sardis, he says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot, his blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Uh, to the church in Philadelphia in 3, 3, uh, twelve, he says, He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Praise the Lord. What, what a promise that is. And to Laodicea, he says uh, in Revelation 3.21, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So these are all promises that are given to those who overcome. And this last promise in Revelation 3.21 says, to, If we want to sit on the throne, we have to be one who overcomes. If we don't overcome, we won't sit on the throne with Christ. 
That's a reference to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. As we mentioned, uh, they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. It's those who overcome who are going to be reigning with Christ for that thousand years. But all the believers, who even those who don't overcome in this age, will be reigning with Christ in the millennium, in, sorry, in eternity. All the believers are guaranteed that. But I have to say, and this impressed me recently, even that, in a sense, is not a free gift. Because uh, you still have to overcome to reign with Christ in eternity. But all the believers will overcome by that time. Uh, and that's Revelation 21, um, verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all these things. I will be God, his God, and he shall be my son. And he's talking about all the blessings in the first part of Revelation 21, about the new, where he sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, uh, from heaven to the earth. To inherit these blessings, we have to be those who overcome. So the beginning of our overcoming is when we believe, but eventually we have to experience the overcoming of the Lord working out in our being all that he desires for us to enter into the eternal blessing that God has guaranteed us. It is guaranteed. That's going to happen. If we have believed in Christ, that is going to happen. But we, according to Revelation 21.7, we still have to overcome to enter into that blessing. But it's saying the guarantee we have as believers is that, is that we will be an overcomer in eternity. Praise the Lord for that. So when some people hear this, uh, this kind of word, they consider uh, the verses in 1 John to talk about overcoming. And so I just want to mention those briefly um, uh, to, to try to deal with that because there's, there may be an objection some would have. In, in uh, 1 John 2, it talks about the young men. He's, when he's talking about the different uh, the believers in the different stages of the growth in life, the fathers, the sons, and the young children, it says, uh, I write to you, uh, uh, young men, uh, because you have, this is uh, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 13, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And in verse 14, uh, again, he says, uh, you've overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world. And he goes on. And so, so the young men here have overcome the world. And then in verse uh, chapter 5, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, he says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so some would uh, use these verses and say every believer is an overcomer. And so, therefore, the promises in Revelation 2 and 3 are for all the believers. Well, as I said, yes, in, in eternity, every believer is going to be an overcomer. And there is a sense in which uh, everyone who has believed in Christ has already overcome. But that's the initial overcoming. It's not the overcoming of enduring to the end that we see in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, that's the overcoming that you see in those verses in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The overcoming there is those believers who don't have only the initial overcoming that's spoken of in, Reve in 1 John 5, or even the overcoming that's spoken of in 1 John 2 with the young men who've overcome the evil one. Uh, these are the ones who overcome until the end. And so when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord judges them to be overcomers. 
And that's not that's just not something we can be assured of until we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we've been referring recently in the, in the recent programs to what Paul says in First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty five through twenty seven. He talks about running the race to gain the incorruptible crown, and he says. Uh, lest having preached to others, I myself would be disapproved. So Paul did not have the assurance he was going to gain the, the crown of reigning with Christ in the millennium age, in the millennial age. He, did, he himself did not have that assurance. So if the apostle Paul did not have that assurance, we shouldn't have that assurance either. As believers in Christ, there is an assurance we should have. We absolutely should have. That relates to our eternal destiny that we are going to be with Christ for eternity. And that's something we should never have any doubt about because, as I said before, that gives us the basis, the strong basis for going on with the Lord in the Christian life. But we should not have the assurance, and there is nothing in the New Testament that would ever give us any assurance that we are guaranteed to reign with Christ during the millennium. That's absolutely not the case. We have to be, uh, I don't know, maybe fearful is not the right word, but very, very exercised to realize, like the Apostle Paul did, that he might not gain that crown. We, we may not gain that crown, just like the Apostle Paul was not sure he would not gain that crown. That, Excuse me, that he would gain that crown until the very end of his life. At the very end of his life, that's when he could say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Because he had finished his course, that's why he could have the assurance that he was going to be reigning at that point, only at the very end of his life could the Apostle Paul say that. So again, if he was not sure of his reigning with Christ, we should not be sure either. And we have to be very sober about this because Christians are not hearing this type of word today. We hear the side about free grace because we like the part that's free. We don't like to hear the side of about uh, our responsibility, because that means I have to pay a price to follow Christ. But this is a word that needs to be spoken. It needs to get out there for Christians to uh, consider and be much more sober about the, before the Lord about how we are living our Christian life. This is a word, I, I just am burdened about this. I just feel Christians need to hear this type of word today. So that's why we've been stressing it on these last few programs. So that will do it for this segment. Uh, and then in the next segment, we'll come back and we'll talk specifically specifically about the parable of the minus in Luke chapter 19. And so we will see you again on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge, both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord 
and to all of God's children for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. So as I said, in this uh, final segment, we want to talk about the parable of the Minas. And this is in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. And I wanted to get into this because as you've been considering the uh, matter of reigning with Christ uh, in these past couple of programs, this parable, I, I just appreciated this parable in a new way and how serious it is, how sober it is. Uh, and I should say we sent out an email this morning uh, on this topic, it's called How Much Did You Gain? And you can see that note uh, on our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you'd like to get these emails, uh, sign up. Just go to the subscribe, hit the subscribe link and enter your email under there. And we'll, we usually send out a couple of emails a week. So um, pretty much uh, we're just going to be covering what we, what we spoke of in, the, in the, that email this morning about this parable in Luke 19. And we won't uh, won't read the parable because we just don't have time. But it, it, the, the Lord tells the story of a certain nobleman, he said, who was going to a distant country to receive a kingdom and come back again. And before he goes, he calls 10 of his servants to himself and he, and he gives them each a mina. And he says, do business until I come. Now, a mina, um, it wasn't a little bit of money. It was, it's about, that was worth about 100 days wages. Uh, so that's a pretty significant amount of money. And what the Lord wanted was for them to do business until he came back. So uh, he goes away, he comes back, and then he says, uh, uh, verse uh, nine, Luke 19, 15 is, is the key verse. It says, So it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded his servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. This verse really convicted me. There's a day coming, saints, when he's going to command us to appear before him. Like this verse says uh, in the parable, it says that he might know how much we gained for the Lord. And that's why we titled that email this morning, How Much Did You Gain? As the believers in Christ, we need to be gaining something for the Lord. Now, it's 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 very clear here. It's saying he... he uh, uh, in, in Luke nineteen twelve, it says, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom for himself and return. That's very clearly talking about the church age, in, which will be ended by the Lord's return. So you, there's some kind of funny dispensational teaching that say this doesn't apply to believers. This is very clearly talking about the church age. This is absolutely for the believers. And it's saying we need to be those who are doing business until the Lord comes. So here you see, again, the free grace on the one side, which is he gives us this, he just gives us this, this mina, this uh, commitment. Uh, in the parable, it's a mina. He gives us a gift. But then the responsibility side is he tells us, do business until I come. He doesn't want us sitting around doing nothing. We need to be doing business for the Lord, so to speak, gaining a profit for the Lord with what he has committed to us. And of course, his commitment to each of the believers in terms of our gifts and our abilities is different. But the principle is the same. We all need to be doing business and making a profit for the Lord for when he comes back. Because he goes on in the parable, he says one of the servants uh, who had a... Um, 
he gave a mina to, he says, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And so uh, the the, the uh, king tells him, well done, good and good servant. You were faithful in a little, very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the next one comes and says, I gained five minas. He says, five minas. He says, okay, and you be over five cities. But then one came and says, uh, Master, here's your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. You know, he kept what the Lord had given him. He didn't lose it. He kept it. That wasn't the problem. So he didn't forsake Christ. Uh, he just didn't gain a profit with what the Lord had given him. And that was the problem because the the master says to him, uh, uh, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And again, I'm skipping some verses. That at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. So he took away, because he didn't gain the profit for the Lord in this age, he took what he had given him away from him and gave it to, to another. And this one, this one who was not faithful, did not reign over anything. The other believers were given cities to reign over. He was not given anything to reign over. So again, this points to the fact that when the Lord, in Re, when, when Revelation tells us, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, I saw thrones and they sat upon them. This is not, that's not for all the believers. That's for the believers who have gained a profit for the Lord in this age. If we don't gain a profit for the Lord, we will not be those who are reigning with Christ during that 1,000 years. And that's why this is such a sober word. Now here in this parable, there's no uh, further punishment for this one. Uh, he doesn't go into the outer darkness. Here he simply has his reward taken away. But that's a very, very serious matter in and of itself. You know, and in the program last week, we were talking about uh, uh, the English, British monarchy. And that really, the modern monarchy began in 1066 when William the Conqueror uh, invaded England. He, uh, he had a claim to the English throne. And at the, he won the Battle of Hastings. And that really set the stage for the British monarchy as we know it today and as it's come down um, to us today. That's not a thousand years ago. That won't be until 2066. That will be a thousand years since the Battle of Hastings. And I really appreciated that because that gives you some perspective on just how long a thousand years is. If we are those who overcome and reign with Christ, it's a long, long time. Uh, uh, the brother I had on last week talking about the monarchy said uh, uh, Charles is the 42nd king of England. So uh, they've had more than 40 kings, right? By 1066, it'll probably be, probably be uh, another king at least. So that's how many kings they've had. But as the believers in Christ, if we overcome, we reign with Christ for that whole thousand years. So again, it's a very, very serious matter simply to lose that uh, simply to lose that privilege, that blessing of reigning with Christ during that time, to have our gift taken away and to not reign with Christ. Now, I want to say, some would say that we should not be concerned about the rewards we receive. We should simply follow Christ because we love him and, we like, and we're happy to serve him because he gave himself for us. Well, and that's really true. That should be enough. But the fact is it's not enough. And the Lord knows that. And I, I, maybe it may be the case that if we really uh, progress with the Lord to a certain extent, yes, then we do somewhat lose sight of the rewards. We simply 
want a life that is so pleasing to Christ. And for sure, every believer has that desire. Uh, but to the Lord still, he gives us this incentive and this warning. Watchman Nee put it in a very good way. He said, God sets before the sinner heaven and hell. He sets before the believer reward and discipline. And I'm pretty sure he makes that statement in his book, The Salvation of the Soul, which is uh, a kind of um, teaches along these lines. So uh, the Lord knows because of who we are, we do need incentives and rewards to seek him. It, it, it helps us to be much more serious and much more sober about our Christian life. And so he gives us these incentives. He's done that. These incentives are in the New Testament. There's no question they're there. And so we need to honor that and realize we should be those who are seeking after the crown, just like Paul was, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So as, as I say, here in uh, the parable of the minas, there's no punishment. But it's interesting to compare this parable with another parable that's very similar to this one, and that's in Matthew 25. That, of course, is the parable of the talents. Uh, that's uh, the Lord was um, talking with a few of his disciples uh, just before he was crucified. And he tells them, first in Matthew 25, he gives the parable of the ten virgins. And we've discussed that on a previous program, and we'll link to that uh, program in the, in the podcast. We'll link to that below. Uh, some would try to say that those the virgins there were not real believers, but there's just no real, there's just no way you can say that. There's, it's not true and false virgins. These are wise and foolish virgins. And, and there's others, just so many reasons to see. They, they, all, they all had at least some oil. So for sure, those are real believers. That's the first parable in Matthew 25. The second parable is the parable of the talents. And that's where the Lord, uh, in a very similar, similar way, uh, it says he gave to three of his servants, a each, each, to one he gave uh, five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. Well, a talent is, is much, much more money, was worth much more than a mina. Uh, a mina, as I said, was about 100 days' wages. A talent is 6,000 days' wages. You know, in these days, that would be easily more than half a million dollars. So that was a, a very, very substantial sum of money. Um, I used to feel, uh, before I got into this a little bit more, my feeling was uh, the three believers the Lord is speaking of there represent all the believers in Christ. I, I don't feel that's accurate anymore. I, to me, I think what that is saying is that there are some believers uh, who receive the special gifts. These, this, these are talking about the specially, especially gifted believers. And the reason I say that is in the parable of the virgins, there's ten. But in the parable of the talents, there's only three. So it seems to be indicating among the believers, there are some who are especially gifted and they are held to a higher standard. Uh, because, and it's very similar, again, in some ways to the parable of the minas. In Luke, in Luke they, they reign over cities. In Matthew, to the ones who receive, who make a profit for the Lord, one comes and says, your, mind, your five talents have gained five more talents. He just says, well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The second one comes, the same thing happens. The third one comes and he says, I didn't gain anything. So in both parables of the talents and the minas, there's one who didn't gain anything. But in the parable of the minas, there's no uh, 
further punishment other than losing that reward, which, and again, as I say, that's also already very serious. But in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, he doesn't simply lose his reward. It says, um, oh, 20... Uh, uh, Matthew 25, verse 30. He says, Cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. This is a much more serious matter. And it's, you know, the Bible, there's a principle in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, I'm not sure the verse, possibly verse 48. To whom much is given, much more will be required. And that's why the, the, the punishment here is much more severe than it was for the parable of the minas in Luke uh, 19. Here, he doesn't simply have his gift taken away. Here, he's cast into the outer darkness. And again, some would say that because he goes there, that can't possibly be a believer. Well, there, there's, no, I, there's no basis, real basis for saying that. He doesn't go to the lake of fire. He goes to the outer darkness. And in the Gospel of Matthew is the only book in the New Testament that speaks of the outer darkness. And when it does, it's always related to the kingdom of the heavens. So on the positive side, there's the kingdom of the heavens where we reign with Christ. On the negative side, for some believers who are, it seems who are particularly unfaithful, they will spend that time in the outer darkness. Possibly some of that time, but they will be cast into the outer darkness for at least a time for that thousand years. Not for eternity. At the end of the thousand years, they're still brought back to be with Christ and with all the believers. But they have to go through a period of discipline because they were uh, unfaithful to the Lord. So that's a very serious matter. And uh, probably we need to spend more time talking specifically about that in a future program. But, uh, but just to say here, if you look, at the, look up this term, the outer darkness, uh, it's in Matthew, I'm not sure, maybe three times. It's always related uh, to the kingdom of the heavens. And so it shows us there's a positive side for the believers. That's reigning with Christ in the kingdom of the heavens. But there's also a negative side that warns us that we could possibly end up in that outer darkness. And that would be a very, very serious punishment from the Lord. Uh, but as I say, my, underst my understanding now is that this parable of the talents does not relate to all the believers. It only relates to those believers to whom the Lord gave particular gifts and from whom he was expecting a real return. But the parable of the minas does relate to all the believers because there you have 10, just like you have 10 virgins, you have the 10 servants who receive the minas in Luke 19. And that's already a very, very serious punishment. With the virgins, uh, the foolish virgins who didn't gain the oil in Matthew 25, their punishment, again, it's similar to what you see in Luke 19. Their punishment, they don't go to the outer darkness. It simply says they go try to go to the wedding feast and the door was shut. So they miss out on the wedding feast. Uh, that's a very, very serious uh, discipline. Uh, that's, uh, and I'll read that even. That's Matthew 25, uh, verses 10. While they went away to buy, these are the foolish servants, foolish virgins rather, who are going away to get the oil. While they went to, away to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But what does the Lord say? He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So their punishment was not to go to the lake of fire. Their punishment was to be shut out of the wedding feast. Again, that's another reason to say 
This is for sure. This is talking about believers. And again, the lesson the Lord draws from this parable also shows us uh, that it's for believers. His, his warning is, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. He doesn't say, repent therefore. That's at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. Repent for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Here the word is watch. And that unbelievers are not commanded to be watchful. This is for the believers. We need to be watchful. And in the parable of the uh, virgins, the point is to pay the price to gain the oil. Uh, in, uh, in the parable of the minas in Luke 19, it's uh, make sure we do business to gain a profit for the Lord. But the principle is the same, that we have to be those who are ready when the Lord comes back. So uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, we pray these lords will be a blessing and please consider these words very soberly before the Lord because these words are not the type of thing that many Christians are hearing today. But it's a very serious matter and uh, we hope you'll consider it very soberly. And uh, Lord willing, we will uh, talk with you again next week. And until then, you can visit us online and reach out to us via thechristianfaith.org. May the Lord keep you in his way in this coming week. Amen. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.